Oh, hey. Uh, return to this platform. I actually just recorded a different intro and then a friend called. So my thoughts on voice notes is I want to go against everything I know about branding or how to make a podcast, which isn't much, but I mean just the basics of how to do something. And I really want to pair it back to just being me and doing it the way that I have always wanted to do it, which is the original idea for this project or platform of expression was to share the thoughts and musings I often have with one friend, um, but really figuring out a way to share it with all my friends, um, new and old. So with that, I'm going to be scrapping the intro and the outro. And I mean, this is just the decision for today's share. It might look very different another day, but I, it feels right. It feels right to do that. Um, so what has brought me back? Today, I just, I feel like I want to eat all the sugar under the sun. I posted on Instagram, the vibe today was that I feel like I really know who I am, but I don't know where I fit in the world. And when I think about the last year and a half of my life, um, which has been predominantly unemployed, living with my mom at 33 years old, um, so in society's view and probably a small portion of mine feels like epic fail, not ticking any of those adulting boxes. Um, when I think about it, I'm like, what is this? And people send me, I don't actually, that's not true. They don't send me, but it's like things cross my path of like, oh, this must be a magic dark. Oh, this is a dark night of the soul. Oh, this is like ritual and Julie Pyatt's like seven years of being poor. And that all feels relevant. But I think that there is a bigger purpose. And I'm, I don't say that with the intention of bypassing um, or sort of making excuses for where I am. I say that with the knowing of the life I've cultivated up until this point has been around doing what has been expected of me, whether people said them out loud or they were stories I created, uh, so far down that rabbit hole that the pathway back to self has been long, not, not often enjoyable. And that's what I'm in. I'm in it for. And this morning, my mom shared a Super Soul Sunday episode with Paolo Coelho, who I fucking love, wrote The Alchemist. I actually don't think that that is his best book. I think it's the most universally loved book. Uh, The book that I didn't rate at the time, but love in hindsight is Aleph. I might be pronouncing it wrong. It's like A-L-E-P-H. And... It's his memoir or a book. Yeah, it is, it is like a memoir for him. Um, in his 50s, I believe, possibly 60s. 
after the success of the alchemist and sort of um, the continuation of your personal legacy or legend or whatever you're calling is living into your purpose after you think you've reached it. And um, anyway, that book blew my mind. And today he said on Super Soul Sunday that... Fuck, what was the thing? It was so fucking good. I mean, whenever I can't remember shit, I take it as a sign. So I'm like, you know what? Maybe we're not supposed to know. Um, oh, that was it. He said that everybody inherently knows what their soul is here to do and what their calling is. Um, it's just... Some people have been hiding it for so long that they feel like they've forgotten. And as soon as he said it, I was like, mine is public speaking. And I don't ever know what that's going to look like. It scares the fuck out of me. I have like dabbled in charismatic Christianity. Never as a speaker. Just like, let's, let's put, let's clear the air on that. Um, Big into spirituality, but like also don't love like love speaking about soul ages and auras and everything esoteric, but I'm also in past lives. Um, But I still, there's just huge reluctancy there. And then when I think about all the other things that interest me, I'm like, I don't know if I love them enough. And this is the bigger existential crisis for myself is like when I think about all the things that make me me, I don't feel like an extraordinarily special person. Um, I feel like who I am on a soul level is extremely special. But I think in terms of maybe the combination of my interests, I'm like, I'm, I'm probably like most um, hipster women white women from like the California coast of like and I actually shouldn't even limit it to that I'm sure this covers like all races and genders and whatever I'm like there's definitely there's a persona of like I like nutrition and digestion um I like cooking I like fitness I like dancing um but I don't know and then I like spirituality and I'm like I don't know I don't have one of those things that's like, this is my vocation. And so in my last year and a half, it's been really about returning to those things on like a very grounding level. Um, But I still don't feel like they're my things to become a master or an expert of and then impart them into the world. Um, I definitely think I have knowledge in all of those areas that other people don't have just because of my own pursuit of self-study. I also want to include sexual education in that. Um, I'm very, yeah, there, there's just like things that I study. And equally, there's people out there who are really well-versed in like the stock market and how to do investments. And I would love to get access to that information. I'm like, I think we need, I mean, I'm sure this already exists, but some sort of way to knowledge share would be Excellent. I also would love to do a skills trade of like imparting any of my wisdom and any of the things that I have a deep understanding of um, in exchange for something that could definitely better my life, such as investment or business negotiations, business acumens um, or acumen, or like even 
what departments exist in a university, like what degrees are possible, um, what different roles do within a corporate structure. I don't know what any of these people do. I don't know what their skills are. So throwing that out there in case anyone has any ideas on that. But yeah, the the speaking thing is an interesting one. And on Halloween, I did a tea ceremony with a friend. And on my third pour to the death card, I saw myself alone in a field and instinctively felt that I should open my mouth or open my throat. And in doing so, like this swarm of bats just like exploded. And they were like infinite. They were never ending. And just like rushed out into the night sky meanwhile the moon was like at eye level completely horizontal and just insanely round and glowing and I I felt like off the back of that tea ceremony I'm like there is something for me in using my throat and the irony is I have poor posture which really affects the resonance of my throat. Um, So shout out to Tessa, who's a vocal coach. But I too have noticed that if I stand differently, my voice sounds different. Um, I also wear a lot of turtlenecks and I don't like any jewelry. So I definitely have past lives around the throat chakra and probably having been like died through strangulation or beheading or being hung. And the last thing is I was in speech therapy for a lot of my childhood and I still feel like I use the word like too much, um, which is something my family likes to point out. I just, I feel, I feel like my self-expression has been a long ass journey I'm, I'm trying not to use the word journey because I read somewhere that it's like the second someone drops the word journey, like I tune out and it's sort of making fun of performative spirituality, which part of me is like, mm, fair. So, but when it comes to speaking, I do, it has been a long process of slowing down, of really listening to what I say as it comes out. I've heard a lot of people in the past for just, being too in the moment and being so excited for how fast my mind works or for something to land because it's witty and then I walk away or like days later or maybe even years later when I bump into someone I'm like reminded of the impact of my words so it feels like a double-edged sword I don't know if that's the right saying maybe it's bittersweet I think it's probably that um So I don't know. I don't know where this will take me. And my favorite thing about this platform and what I've always wanted this to be is more of a collaboration than a monologue. I know it's delivered in such a form that it's a monologue, but my favorite part is when people have, I shouldn't say people, definitely friends. Um, Friends have replied with some sort of insight of like, oh, this really made me think about this or this happened to me too, or have you thought about this? So going to put that out there. I don't know what I'm going to do in this life in terms of speaking, but it's there. And when I thought about recording this today, I really wanted to talk about soul ages because it's something I'm deeply passionate about. 
Um, currently working through Ainsley McLeod's book, The Instruction. He is the reluctant psychic, that's what he names himself, who channeled the soul ages. And then with it, there's the soul types and then the soul missions. So it's how old your soul is, what like archetype your soul is, and then, or what's like the personality, and then like why you're in this incarnation. And it's been funny because when I first dipped into Ainsley's work during my Saturn return three years ago, I was convinced I was a soul age nine, which is someone who is at that soul age to do a lot of healing. And although I feel like every day, that's not true, but like so frequently I'm reminded of something else I need to heal of like, oh, I have like what feels like cinder blocks for a left hip, probably in a past life, did something there and oh, I have shitty posture, probably a past life. Oh, I don't like jewelry, probably a past life. And it feels never ending. But, and that, sorry, and that's why I was like, I'm definitely a soul age nine. Because soul age nines spend um, many incarnations working through healing and processing past life trauma. And I, I definitely have thought that that was me. And then when I've dipped back into his book this time, and I know for a fact my friend is a soul age 10. She's just like textbook soul age 10. And I remember when I worked with her and when I was talking to her about the soul ages, um, I remember the thing that really resonated with me is she was such a profoundly impactful person. Shout out to Cat Hall. Um, On such a macro level. And she really understood that. Like she, her life is not about legacy. Her life is not about being in the limelight. It wasn't, it's not about massive impact. Um, I remember her saying that she came into this awareness that every single moment is an opportunity um, to give healing and be healed. And I remember thinking like, oh, typical soul age 10 and I'm soul age nine. Like, I'm like, I don't have many incarnations left and like, I got to change the world. I got to leave it in a better place. And I'm like, what is she doing with like no ambition? And she's so, she's so quietly powerful. And I just, I, I feel, I still feel to this day, if, if you ever sit next to her on a bus or you just share aura space with her, um, your life is better. And so I remember just being like, fuck. Like, how how can this person be so at ease with, like, knowing the magnitude of her power and having no desire or need to, I don't want to say exploit it, um, to stretch it, I would say. And in the time I've taken in between since learning about that and then dipping back into his book, I have come to a greater understanding of what she meant. And when I think about what my past employments have been, um, I've definitely gone into them for the limelight or for what I can make of them or how I can change them. And the 
profound fond memories I hold of them like the most important thing I did is like the individual encounters I had with people and how like maybe they just do one thing differently because they met me or maybe they're they've been like a proud atheist their whole life and you know they'll like entertain a little something now because I sat next to them for five years at a desk um and even my time at Lululemon, it's like I I feel like what Kat had taught me, I was actually living. But my ego was so focused on like how can I impact others? How can I affect others that I didn't realize until I left actually um, that like impact was made in the in-between. It was made in the moments where I didn't say anything. It was it was in the moments where I didn't deliver something that I thought like, oh my God, everybody's mind is going to be blown and no one's going to be able to um, like sit with what I'm about to share. And it's like, it was, it was never those moments that landed. And even when I think about this podcast, it's like the episodes people resonate with are usually the ones I think are the worst. And the ones that I think like, fuck, that was awesome uh definitely I was a vessel of some sort it just doesn't land in the same way and it's I find that disconnect really interesting and I think it speaks volumes to the way I my ego perceives people as well as like the people I, I I've said this so many times when I start jobs it's like the people I initially detest or really don't like i leave and they are my best friends like they're friends I will have the rest of my life and equally the people I immediately gravitate towards at some point in the employment I'm like why did I ever like this person or like how did I get that so wrong so I find that I don't know maybe my discernment is fucking god awful and maybe it's exactly where it needs to be because it's a constant reminder of I don't think ego is a bad thing. I actually think it enables us to explore the buffet. I think if I only operated on a completely conscious level with using just my intuition, I wouldn't learn what I need to learn from all the people that I initially like out of the gate. Um, usually I'm attracted by the like shiny, polished, professional, like the happiest person in the room. And the person who I feel is like trying to prove something or is like a bit too in my face, I dismiss. And I think the interplay of like the soul and the ego becomes so important because it it allows you to experience both, um, both types of people, the ones you immediately feel safe with and the ones you immediately run from. And then as that changes over time, I think that that's I mean, I don't know enough about this, but I feel like there's got to be some sort of internal evolution that also happens, which is when I enter into a new space, my intuition or my soul goes into hiding a little bit and my ego is like that shield is strong. And so it's detecting very different people of like who I deem as safe and probably the people that are immediately like, ooh, let's not get too close to that person. Um, I think it's probably because on a soul level, they're the ones that can teach me the most. And there's going to be 
like they are presenting a mirror or a vulnerability that I'm like, it's too much for me in that moment. I've just entered into this new space. I currently feel like Bambi learning to walk. And it's like, I don't need on a soul level to be challenged when I'm like learning the new roles and responsibilities of a position. So I think it's super important. And I didn't know I was going to talk about this. I didn't even know I thought these things, which is a great reminder as to why I have this as a platform. I feel like I should leave it here. I, w- I really wanted to talk about, um, actually it is, it is actually, okay, it, it's a good segue, is that I, I'm like, do I talk about it? Do I not talk about it? Actually, okay, so I will talk about it from a perspective of I don't in any way have this figured out. It's just an awareness that I am growing into and I don't know what to do with it. So I, this predominantly happens for me with the opposite sex, but I think it could easily happen in the workplace as well. I just haven't been, because I haven't been engaged in too many new workplaces. It's harder for me to speak at it from that angle, but I have been engaged in online dating. So that feels more relevant for me. But basically there are people I meet that I immediately feel an anxious attachment to. And it's I don't know if it's with the eyes, like, again, I'm not well-versed enough in this. I feel like there's something definitely there, but I'm like, this is after I've encountered someone and there's been, like, body-to-body contact, or not contact, um, confrontation, like, as in, I've, like, they've clearly seen me and I've clearly seen them, and this attachment I find very interesting. I'm not sure how much of an example I should give on this because we just don't know. (laughs) I never know who's going to listen. Fuck it. I'll, I'll just, I'll give the example. So there was a personal trainer at the gym I'm currently going to. And I immediately felt like I actually, I didn't think too much about it, but the feeling was, why have I never dated someone like this? And I feel instantly connected in some way, like supported or held or something. And needless to say, he like, he has a girlfriend, um, which led me to a very interesting concept of what would it feel like to live out our emotions without shame which is like even so I think what normally happens is if you're attracted to someone and then you find out they're already taken there's a shame that seeps in of like why didn't I know how could I ever be attracted to someone like this I'd never be interested in someone who's taken and there's a whole narrative that comes around and what this interaction taught me it was like the person I want to be is someone who completely honors those feelings is grateful for them because 
those feelings in my situation are often rare um but doesn't act on them so it's not like I think it's perfectly okay to and I I would still be quite honest and upfront like if someone said are are you feeling this with this person I'd be like yeah um there was a something since then it's like fizzled out a fair bit but in that moment it it was very much real and it was there and it made me think about how when we learn about relationship status or absolutely anything that could then make us feel shameful about having feelings I'm like what would it be like if we existed in a world where we owned all of our feelings without shame and just made conscious decisions to or to not act on them I I think we would be happier people and so going back to this feeling of like immediately feeling attracted or feeling a connection and not entirely sure and like sure why and then I think the mind does a really interesting thing as well you're like would I even choose this person what have I learned about this person do I even like them as a human being um I like watched how he interacted or or dealt with something like a woman had a panic attack and he was like I'm not in the mood for this which I was immediately like do you think she's in the mood for this um so I'm making this person sound like a dick which I don't think is necessarily true but the mind then goes to the logical place of like why how on earth could I ever be attracted to this person and then again you enter into the shame spiral but what I think is happening because I've now met a second person since then that I felt a very similar attachment to is like I'm pretty convinced there's a karmic connection there. So I have felt with both of these people, I'm like, it is very likely that I had relationships with them. Like, I, I don't necessarily think I was married, but I had some sort of situation with them in a past life where this dynamic has been reversed. And I am now in a place where I am experiencing that karma in a very condensed form. Um, And I know this because I used to have a vortex energy healer who explained karma to me in this way of like when you when you meet someone you had a karmic connection with, you will live out the pattern in reverse. So, for example, she was with um, in a past life, she was with this partner and he was always pining after her. And then in this life, when she met him, um, she was always pining after him. And it was like, it happened much quicker, but it was that like the slate has been cleared. They are back to being at square one. And so I don't really know all the things and I try not to use my mind that much. And Paolo Coelho also said that there are many things about the universe that we are not supposed to know because the magic lies in the mystery. And so even though I, I like thoroughly enjoy talking about these things, reading about these things, exploring different thoughts, and I'm like, there's something in it. Um, I really firmly feel that this isn't based on a nurture in this incarnation or like a programming of some sort. I really feel like this is a, a revisit of a relationship I've had in a different incarnation with this person because I'm like there's a few things that just solidify this theory and like one is the eye contact one is this feeling of like home 
and also like get me out of here and it's that's usually like the evolution within the relationship and for sure I have tendencies of being um, anxiously attached in terms of relationships but I feel like there's something bigger going on because when I reach the point of like anxiety and insecurity I definitely honor it by creating distance but I firmly believe that there's a bigger lesson to explore in like even though the mind is trying to override and justify why the body feels anxious um, there's also an undeniable tether to that person maybe I shouldn't use that word I feel like that could be loaded but there there's like a connection that you can't explain and I'm gonna leave you on this fun fun thought um I've recently so I often joke that I have three fun past lives like whether they're real or not I don't know I haven't done um journeys or worked with psychics or anything to confirm this but I often think I was like a large Indian woman who made like vats of doll um or just like whatever I could in one giant pot and I'd feed like animals and human beings like whoever needed food from the stoop of um my kitchen like the there's like concrete steps um another one is I was a Spanish gigolo in Ibiza and then the last one is I'm like a warrior princess and she's got two swords that she carries on her back and the middle one of the Spanish gigolo I think is my favorite one to play up because also he's a cage dancer and so when I have these like really intense feelings of being tethered to often men um, often metrosexual men I don't know if that's like a politically correct term anymore, but maybe like men who are interested in grooming, um, it's that anxious attachment feeling. And I like immediately think I'm like, this would be the gigolo one because they say that when you have sex with someone, it imprints on your soul. And I'm like, considering I go through this life mostly single and I regularly experience this, um, and not super regularly, like once a year maybe, um, of this intense anxious attachment I'm like I mean if I fucked a lot of people in that life this would make a lot of sense and then here I am re-encountering them um, and like almost waiting for them to have the recognition of like we've been here and done this before and it's not that I want to sleep with them in this life but it's like I want there to be a conscious remembrance of like I know this person even though I don't technically know this person so that's me. I don't, I don't feel like there's too much more to say about that. I'm going to let it land. Um, if you want to talk about anything, let me know. If you're curious about soul ages, let me know. Um, basically, if there's anything that's like, elaborate on this further, I will do that. In the meantime, thank you for listening. And wherever you are in the world, I'm recording this on a Wednesday I hope you have a great Wednesday night. I actually don't know what's going on in the moon, so I can't give you a lunar calendar. I feel like a full moon is coming. Fuck, we're probably on it. Anyway, um, Scorpio season, it's an intense one. Don't know much about astrology in terms of that. 
but I know about the zodiac signs. So yeah, happy Wednesday. Bye.